This is NFL.com's Coaches Show Podcast. 40 men together can't lose. This is why you lift all them weights. Everybody's driving out there. Nobody's got them. And now we're going. There's a gleam, men. There's a gleam. Thanks for checking out the Week 4 Coaches Show podcast. I'm Brian Billick, here alongside Steve Mariucci. This week, we'll break down the Bucks' upset win over the Steelers, debate Rex Ryan's decisions to stick with Geno Smith, and Doug Marone's decision to bail on E.J. Manuel, and hand out our quarter-season awards. Plus, is Phillip Rivers currently the NFL's best quarterback? We ask Chargers head coach Mike McCoy about that and more as the Coaches Show podcast starts now. Mooch, a lot going on, you know, as usual. No, Billick, as usual, yeah. right? Here and we the go quarter again. mark. Is it the quarter mark? Yeah. Is it? Is it because, you know, we talked about last week that when you get to that fourth game, now the die is becoming <laughs> a little cast. You can't, well, it's not an aberration. It's this, it's that. Is it a little bit of a, not panic, but okay, we are who we are, and in some instances we got to change that. Yeah, I, I, don't, know, I don't know what you did, Brian, we kind of divided up some, in some respects, the season into quartiles. You know, what quartiles is yes, good, nice so, word. Yeah, so, boom, boom, boom. so, but that doesn't always work. You know, depending on where your buy is and all that sort of thing, because coaches, as you know, are, con- are constantly making personnel adjustments and game plan adjustments. You don't wait for the month to get over to make a change. But uh, you know, sometimes you look at that record and you say, geez, we're one in three. If we don't do something drastic, we're going to be out of the playoff chase. And uh, so it's, it's time to reflect and, and do a self-scout to see where you are. But some teams, <laughs> some teams right now are shocking, uh, better than expected, and some teams are just flopping. It's kind of crazy. Right, and they're just that one or one game out from being three and one, two and one, you know, one and three yeah. and back Back and forth. Of course, it's all around the quarterback. Last week we talked about Joe yeah. Philbin's, you know, he challenged his quarterback, didn't say whether he was going to start enough, and, and Ryan Tannehill comes out and lights up the Oakland Raiders in London. Well, now we've got a whole bunch of other quarterback decisions. Let's kind of go through them. The big one, obviously, let's begin with starting in the AFC East. you got Geno Smith, who Rex Ryan's deciding to stick with at quarterback, and then up the road in Buffalo, now we just find out that Doug Marone has decided to pull E.J. Manuel and go with Kyle Orton. Now let's and that as we both have said many times, changing at the quarterback position is the most disruptive thing that can ever happen to an organization, either by injury or by uh, a play. Let's begin with Rex Ryan and the Geno Smith. Obviously, he's not playing well. Let's talk about his decision to stick with Geno. He's not playing well enough, and you know, and I, I agree with Rex to keep him as the starter. I do think he's making progress. He has a better pass completion percentage than he did a year ago, a better passer rating, more he's throwing for more yards per game. But when you lose a couple of home games and they start booing over there and he kind of lost his cool going off the field, then I suppose people, hey, let's make a change, you know. But, Brian, I don't, I don't know if making a change makes sense right now. You know, let the kid keep pressing through this. It's going to be a tough time. Rex guy has to go through this. Gino should go through this. Marty Morningwig has to go through this and see if they can kind of find their way out of this hole. Won't get easy. Denver, New England, San Diego coming up, looking at them in the face. Um, but I wouldn't make a change in Michael Vick because then you're really stuck. Yeah, and part of it I think has to be is that, that if, if you miss on a first-round or on a quarterback, as they did with Mark Sanchez, somebody has to pay. Well, they made Mike Tannenbaum, the general manager, pay. Okay, well, that's cool. But now you got another one. Now, I know it wasn't a first-rounder. He was a second-rounder in the new uh, GM, Isaac, 
whoever's choice that was. I'm with you. I don't see the upside of changing. First, will it make a difference to go with Vic? I don't think so, because he's probably just going to get hurt. His completion percentage and turnover ratio isn't a whole lot better. So once you do that, what, you go back to Geno? I don't know that that can happen. Um, I think part of the problem, and Rex alluded to it without saying it specifically, Geno's not the whole problem. That defense, right. you look at that game, and Rex Ryan, on a fourth and two, decides to punt He's behind because he says, I'm going to let my defense win this game against the Detroit Lions. First, they scored a pull within a touchdown, and that Detroit Lion defense goes 90 yards for a score. All right, now they get into a situation where they can maybe win the game. It's just under four minutes. They choose to punt instead of go for it on a fourth and two, thinking, okay, I'm going to let my defense get him on a three and out, and now I got a chance. They never saw the ball again. So Rex's defense has some issues. It's not just yeah, Geno. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely right. And Rex, I love his front seven. I love his front his front four guys. They're beasts, but the secondary is really hurting right now. And I and I don't think I don't think they're as dominant as they've been with Rex. Rex is used to having this great defense, whether he's coaching in Baltimore or the Jets or whatever, and all of a sudden they're not the same. So then all of a sudden, what is that? It, it just puts too much on the quarterback's shoulders to carry the team and score a lot of points. Um, the team is not built that way. So this is one of those stay tuned kind of things. I'm not saying Geno's going to start the rest of the season. At some point, maybe they need a spark. But right now, don't give up the ship just yet. Keep working with Geno. Keep the pedal to the metal. I was with him in the offseason, and I thought he had really matured uh, into a, to a fine young man and quarterback in the league. And I think... I think with some patience, he's got a chance to remain the starter. Well, we've got to transition into to what's going on with the Bills now, but I want to preface it by asking you this, and I'll show my bias right from the get-go. Once you pull a young quarterback, he's your starter, you're going to go with him, he's your guy, whatever the reason, he's done, isn't he? I mean, it's not, okay, you're going to learn from the sideline. I mean, organizationally, this, that's why it's such a tough decision. Can that guy ever come back and be the guy? Hard. It's hard because you just two things. You, you kind of it takes a it's a crushing blow to his confidence, and then in the rest of the team's eyes, he seems as like a failure in some regards. And then to get that back at a later point where the team is behind you, boy, that that takes some awfully good performances. And so that's why it's always important when we have these this rookie class. Now a lot of these quarterbacks are starting. Bridgewater starting because of an injury. Bortles now is starting over at Jacksonville. Manziel's not starting. And I think teams are a little bit reluctant sometimes to just start the guy right away like Andrew Luck did. Um, let's let them earn it, work its way in, make sure they're ready to do this when you play so they can have a little success. Yeah, but Bortles but and Bridgewater didn't earn it. You know, they just it was by default. Right. That's my point as to why not by go default. ahead and start them. Are they going to be any better a month into it? Well, and having gone there because I don't want to lose the point. Now, so Doug Marone, who drafted E.J. Manuel, he comes in, first-year head coach of the Buffalo Bills. He and the general manager together, this is our choice, the 16th pick of the draft. Now when you make that change, I mean, he's done, isn't he? How do you ever bring E.J. Manuel back? What was your reaction when you heard it this morning? I couldn't believe it. I was shocked, too. Didn't the Bills go into Chicago and beat them opening day? And I went, whoa. You know, I know they got a pretty good defense, but they just, you know, this and that were they 2-0 and all of a sudden he's gone. It, it, I don't know what's going on over there. Maybe they just see something in every day's practice or whatever that is that they feel, hmm, this guy needs to step back. And Kyle Orton, now, how many teams have a veteran quarterback who have right. 
has won games before. They're playing at Detroit, which is a good defense, right? Kyle Orton's beaten the Detroit Lions, and, and maybe they figure this week is the best way to win that game somehow with Kyle Orton, a veteran guy. But that was a shocker today uh, to hear about E.J. Manuel not starting right Wasn't now. this the Kyle Orton that said that he's thinking about retiring? Oh, yeah. I mean, So if you're think thinking that, about retiring, you're retired. You coach. have. Yeah, so I mean, yeah. so, so now to make that trend, oh, now we're going to go with that. It's kind of like you and I in coaching, you know, we yeah. think oh, about yeah, it. We're out. Should we retire? Oh, we're retired. Yeah. I, I don't, I, this this is a huge, because let's, let's look at the, the landscape here. First year head coach, draft a guy, 16th pick. Now I'm in the second season. Yeah. And that, yeah, we all know we got to win. I got a new owner. Now at the end of the year, if this thing flops around a little bit, I got a yeah, new owner. Oh, is he not going to sit there and go, wait a minute now, you're the one that chose E.J. Manuel. Now you're saying he, he isn't a player. Now we got to go get, because who thinks Kyle Orton's going to be their quarterback for the next five years? Now you're going to say we'll go back to E.J. Manuel? This, this has got disaster written mm-hmm. all over it. They've got to win this year, right? I mean, because if you, if you flop and you go 3-13, and 13, there's, you know, there could be a change. Unfortunately, that's how it is. So maybe he says Kyle Orton will win more games this year than E.J. Manuel will for us. Whoa, but that's and not a fix. Could be the schedule. Like you said, they got Detroit, New England. We'll see how New England's playing. You know, they've had their problems. Minnesota, who even though they had a great win against Atlanta, has some issues. And mm-hmm. then they play the Jets. Okay, the Jets, maybe this is part of thinking too. I'm Rex, I'm going, I got San Diego, I got Denver, and New England. Mm-hmm. Okay, make a change now. Michael Vick comes in, doesn't do well. Where do I, okay, let, I, I'm gonna, this go will define itself. I'll let EJ play this, or excuse me, I'll let Gino play this out for the next three weeks, and, and, and we'll see where we are then. Maybe that's what they're thinking. I, I'm just glad I'm not in that situation yeah. because that's a, it's, 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 a, it's, it's not a win-win situation. It's a like a keep your fingers crossed deal. Well, stay with the quarterbacks, the, the change at quarterback. We'll talk about Bridgewater and Bortles a little bit later on and how they did with their openers. You brought them up. But the Bucks had a huge win against on the road against the Steelers. And Mike Glennon, you know, their third-round pick from last year, he started eight or nine games for them. They decided to go with Josh McCowan. That didn't turn out either in play. Of course, McCowan got hurt. He just goes into Pittsburgh and uh, – orchestrates a lap-minute drive, two passes uh, out of only five, but takes them length of field, scores touchdown wins. Mike Glennon, he's the new hero in uh, Tampa Bay. Unbelievable. And, I, I, Brian, I remember when, when he came out in the draft, we had him on Game Changers, so I was around him quite a bit and throwing and doing drills and interviewing him, and he's kind of a neat guy to be around. And he, he ran better than I thought. He threw from the run better than I thought. And then when last year when he was playing for the Bucks, and they weren't very good, he was playing pretty well at times. And so I was a little surprised Lovey made that switch right away without any really competition. But he was familiar with Josh McCown. He trusted him. He knew him. And, of course, Josh had a good season in, in replacement of Jay Cutler last year. But I, I just thought it was inevitable that sooner or later this is going to happen because this kid, uh, Mike Glennon, He's he's tall guy, big tall guy, and he can sling it. And with all of those wide receivers, those big tall wide receivers, you don't want to be playing uh, college football, you know, zone read stuff. You want to sling it. And and this Mike Glennon kid can do just that. And so uh, I, I think he's there to stay. I like him a lot. And that was a huge win at Pittsburgh. Something's wrong with Pittsburgh because they're so up and down. Oh, they're I don't schizophrenic. Know who they are. I don't. I don't. Uh, it, you don't know who you're going to get from one play to the next. <laughs> Mike Tomlin was game beside game. himself. 
He was he was he was beside himself in that press conference. I don't blame him. I heard a, I heard a, a stat today, and I'll, I'll mangle it. So the, you you those that want to tweet me and say I mangled it, I'll, I'll just claim it right from the get go. Dick LeBeau, <laughs> the magnificent Hall of Fame defensive coordinator, former player, uh, defensive coordinator for the Pittsburgh Steelers, is sixty five and zero going into the fourth quarter with like a seven point lead. Not anymore. Yeah, how about 65 and 1? <laughs> Is that amazing? Yeah. Is that amazing? Yeah, and, and, and even more. Well, and that leads me to, uh, and I'm going to move around here a little bit, a couple coaching decisions because we're the coaches show and we're supposed to talk about it. I think there was one in that game, and we talked about the Jets game as well. Of course, we saw a couple of onside kicks. We can talk about the decision to do that. One worked, one didn't. So, therefore, one was smart and the other one wasn't. Right. But in, I thought it was interesting in the Pittsburgh game, they have a chance to close it out before they give the ball back to Mike Glenn and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. It's third and five. Ben Roethlisberger. They hand the ball off on a third and five to Le'Veon Bell. They don't get anything. They punt it with the idea that, okay, we're going to play good defense. Can Mike Glennon beat us? Which he evidently does. We've both been in that situation. Your defense has been a little bit. For me, it's simple. In Baltimore, I'm going to bet on my defense. And maybe, maybe that's what Mike Tom was doing, but their defense has struggled a little bit. Do we second-guess that a little bit? Do you give Ben Roethlisberger? And all we're talking about is an incomplete pass stopping the clock. It's not like we're yeah. going it for fourth and five. It's, okay, I'm going to trade maybe a little bit of clock for the chance that if I throw and get a first down, game's over. Yeah. Yeah, that's one of those decisions where during the game. You guys got to make the call and make the play work. You know, they ran the ball for 264 yards last week. They probably felt, hey, we can run the football here a little bit. And then you know how everybody's counting the box now, and they're saying, hey, they're playing dime right now, and I've got a six in the box. I should run the ball because I can block everybody up. Um, you know, that's just a call that they made. The clock kept running. It wasn't an incomplete pass, like you said, but – you know, when you're the Pittsburgh Steelers, you got to believe that you can stop a, a second-year quarterback who just took over, uh, you know, the length of the field and, and, and win that football game. And all the penalties that they had. And crazy. you're at home. And you're at home, so that's an advantage, and too. And at home. Yeah. 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 So uh, the, the, the Steelers collapsed in that second half. They just, they just weren't the same team. And, uh, you know, they just gave up a lot of points, 17 second-half points, 284 yards or something, and they just didn't show up in the second half. And I don't know where they go with it. what looks to be a very good Baltimore team now that has kind of cracked the code, and certainly Cincinnati we know as well as their plan, staring, uh, you know, staring at Pittsburgh in that rearview mirror. Well, as we said, Mooch, it's the quarter mark, so we got to get out. we got to get out some awards. We're like country music. We have 57 award shows. <laughs> Okay, and we're at the quarter mark, so we gotta we gotta let's start off with at the quarter mark our MVPs. Who gets the MVP mark four games into the season? MVP of the first month, the September MVP, Brian. Um, how about this guy named Demarco Murray over there with the Dallas Cowboys? You know he's leading the league and rushing well over five hundred. You know what kind of pace he's on? He's over two thousand pace now. Demarco's never finished. Uh, 16-game season. He's got to stay healthy, but he's way out in front in terms of rushing yards than anybody else, and he's the reason that the uh, Dallas Cowboys are a pretty darn dangerous team right now. To me, it's DeMarco Murray. Yeah, hard to argue about that. I'm going to go, and it's typical, it's, uh, I know it's cliche, but I'm going to go with the quarter. I'm going to go with Phillip Rivers mm. because of what he's meant to the San Diego Chargers. Uh, a running game, and I admire what they're doing because they stick with the running game, even though they're not real good at it. 
right? Ryan Matthews is hurt. Danny Woodhead is hurt. They're averaging, you know, they're running it 30, 35 times. They're barely getting 100 yards, but they're sticking with the running game. So Phillip Rivers, with only a handful of throws, uh, not throwing any interceptions, and, okay, he starts out with Antonio Gates, three touchdowns. And, okay, they're going to take away Gates. Okay, I'm going to go over and I'm going to find Keenan Allen. Or I'm going to go find Eddie Royal. Or I'm going to go find Floyd. I'm going to find somebody, if whatever your plan is to stop whoever I hit last week, he is adjusting to what he's seeing. So I think Phillip Rivers, um, of all the quarterbacks right now, uh, is worthy of that MVP title. Let's talk about Let's go to the, uh, to the defensive side because we ignored the defensive guys. Who's the defensive player of the year? This one, I think, is a slam dunk for both of us. This is easy. I mean, the guy's on more commercials and all that stuff. Now he's dancing and everything like that. J.J. Watt. I mean, the guy is a beast. You know, you saw him catch that touchdown pass, right? He used to play tight end at Central Michigan. That's where he was scholarshiped out of high school. Then he, when I'm homesick, I got to go walk on at Wisconsin, play some defense. But is he a dominating guy or what? This He's won it already a couple years ago. To me, he's going to win it again. Yeah, he's got, he's got the, the athleticism for an inside player of, oh, God, I don't know, Reggie White motor of a John Randall who I was with in Minnesota. I've never seen a big man. He was crazy. This, yeah, he, and, and J.J. Watt's a little crazy. He, his oh, non-stop yeah. motor, you watch him technically not sound sometimes running around blocks, but then making the play. You know, yeah. it's, it's, it, he, he is clearly, he's worth the money that they gave them. All Who's right, we agree guy? on that. Let's, let's oh, talk. We agree, okay. Let's talk about biggest surprise. Who's your biggest surprise at the quarter mark? Either player well, or team. I'm going to give you a player. I'm surprised the Saints are where they are. That's my team. But the player is Steve Smith Sr. You know what? We, we've all been around older veteran receivers, and they're supposed to, you know, descend in production and energy and, and all of that capability stuff. Hey, this guy is just a ball of fire. I love to watch him. I love w- listening to this guy because he's so fired up. He was, you know, you know, he just had the two touchdowns last game and seven catches and all that stuff. But he, he's on pace for his best season ever, and he's played well for a long time. So Steve Smith Sr., you know what, I, I thought he'd play okay. Heck, he was going to retire, right, if he didn't get signed back. But uh, now he's found a, a rebirth over there at Baltimore. I love what he's doing. And he's given Baltimore offense a personality. You know, Joe Flacco, you're going to reflect your quarterback. Mm. Joe's pretty even-keeled. Yeah. Type say, B personality. Yeah, yeah very right? much so, which is rare yeah. for quarterback, but still very, very good. They've lacked that. And this, this is the dominant side of the ball for them. And he's given them that personality. I'm going to go the biggest surprise, and you alluded to it, is, is New Orleans. And it's New Orleans defense. We thought coming in that Rob Ryan would have this group. They look not only pedestrian, but against the Dallas Cowboys, they took a butt whipping, and they were kind of okay with it. I don't, and who would have thought this? Rex Ryan and Rob Ryan, the twin brothers, as good a defensive coaches as have ever been in this league, together their defensive units do not have a single interception at the four. That that's right? eight games. No, that's that, good research. That, that's, uh, that one's uh, – that one's that you got to scratch your head on that one, and I just I don't it. see any personality, any fight in this New Orleans Saints defense, which is the opposite of what you expect from Rob Ryan's coach team. I know. Well, a couple of years ago they were pathetic. Remember that, and then Rob Ryan made them better, and they were ranked fourth best defense in the league last year. Well, all of a sudden they're looking like they used to look a couple of years ago, yeah. and they're shaking their heads, and they get down twenty-four to nothing at halftime, and they're going, "What 
Can we ever win on the road here? Yeah. Let's yeah. be more upbeat. Let's give a coach of the coach of the quarter year, Mark. Who's your coach of the? Can I give an honorable mention? <laughs> I got, yeah, I'm just going to give you an honor. Jason Garrett. Oh, Jason yeah. Garrett. Yeah, three, yeah, has he done absolutely. a good job or what? Absolutely. You know, they, they lose the first game, and it was to the 49ers. Right. The 49ers are a good team. And everybody's like, oh, my God, here we go. And now all of a sudden, the Dallas Cowboys, I don't want to say they're back. Because every time you do, then they just turn south. Yeah, they disappoint you. But then Rod Marinelli, his defensive coordinator, has got that defense playing good football. Are you kidding me? They They were last last year, and they lost all kinds of guys. And they're playing hard, and they're playing well, and they're playing confidently. So Jason's got something to do with that. But my... He's just honorable mention. The guy who wins it for me is Bruce Arians. Now, didn't he win it already when he was the interim over there with the Colts? He's doing a heck of a job, too, because they're undefeated. They're playing with a backup quarterback, right? They've lost five guys on defense for various reasons, and they're still playing very well and very hard, and they're coming off a bye this week. But Bruce has done a great job. Yeah, I like like both those picks. I'm going to go back to the San Diego thing. I think Mike McCoy. Uh, he loses his offensive coordinator, his quarterback whisperer, and Ken Wisenhunt because with the turnaround in Phillip Rivers. <laughs> the thing I love is, and they're playing good defense, John Pagano, uh, the brother of Chuck Pagano in Indianapolis, mm-hmm. he's the defensive coordinator. They're playing really good defense right now, uh, one of the better teams in terms of uh, defensive scoring. And, and what I love is you got Phillip Rivers, you're throwing the ball over the park, the discipline to stay with the running game, even though it's not really productive. I talked about it earlier. They're averaging better than, you know, the 30 carries, okay? And they're not getting a lot of production, 100, 105. So it's not like they're gouging, but they're staying with it. They're keeping the Stay defense honest that then helps Phillip Rivers. A lot of us, and I include myself, it would be hard to do that when you're not getting productivity in the running game to go ahead and bail on it. I think from just a, a, a tactical and a strategic standpoint, I think Mike McCoy would be my coach at the quarter mark. Good choice, really good choice, and that's a good team that's fighting, made playoffs last year, and uh, they look like they're going right back again. And yeah. it just so happens that we get a chance, I get a chance to talk to Mike McCoy here on the Coach's Show. Look for the big one down the middle, he's got Royal at the 20. What a throw by Phillip Rivers. Looking deep down the sideline for Allen Flowers, sitting right on that route. Portals obviously never saw Weddle. San Diego Chargers scored 23 unanswered points Sunday to defeat the Jacksonville Jaguars 33-14. And joining us now is the head coach of those Chargers, those 3-1 and Chargers, Mike McCoy. Coach, thanks so much. Before we get to the game, i got to ask now, my buddy Steve Mariucci here on the Coaches Show says he sent you a picture when you were the developmental quarterback for him. Tell me that picture is sitting on your desk in your office right now or Mooch is going to be crushed. It's actually in my office at home. It's a great photo Back in 1995 with the great group and with Coach Mooch, Marty Mortenwig, and everybody who I'm looking forward to see this week when he comes into town. So we had a great group back then. Yeah, always fun to have those, uh, those old mementos. Well, great win for you, Coach. You got, you got down all of a sudden now, and you're at home. That's a tough thing to do. Talk about the mindset of your team. And I know you got a great quarterback in Phillip Rivers and some maturity, but talk about how you, how you squelch that panic that can set in sometimes. Well, we got settled in. You know, the first uh, first series of defense that was out there, they got a fumble for us. Great field position for the offense. Uh, the offense, unfortunately, had three uh, minus plays that weren't good enough early on. And then uh, we just settled down as a team. And that's why you got to play for 60 minutes. You tell them, just keep plugging away. And we got in a flow there. And then we ended up scoring seven to ten drives overall in the game. So did a nice job of making adjustments. The defense came up with some big turnovers throughout. So 
a nice job. A big win for the football team. Well, I know this is going to be important to you, but we, we're like everybody, we got to have quarter mark awards, you know. And you're my, you're my uh, uh, coach of the year at the quarter mark. And, and let me tell you why. Um, unbelievable job, obviously, Phillip Rivers and coming off the year he had. You, you've got virtually no running game, but you stick with it. You're not yielding a lot of yards in the run, but a lot of guys, including myself, would have bailed on it. You stick with it. You're having those 30 carries. Phillip Rivers, you get three touchdowns to Antonio Gates. Next week, they take Gates away. Okay, I'm going to go over to Keenan Allen. Take Keenan Allen away. Okay, I'm going to go to Roy. The way you orchestrate moving around and giving Phillip what he needs, tell me a little bit about having a Phillip Rivers and his ability to do that and to adjust. Well, he- He's a special player, you know, and, and everyone weekly wants to ask, why didn't this guy get many touches or what happened here, what happened there? You know, a couple weeks ago, why wasn't, you know, Ladarius getting involved here and there? Well, Phillip's a great quarterback, and he's going to go through a progression we, every play. And depending on what the defense is doing, you know, the ball is going to be spread around. When you've got a lot of talent on the outside and the skilled positions like we do in the wide receivers, tight ends, and running backs, you know, he's going to take what the defense is giving him. And that's what he's doing right now, and, uh, and he's being very efficient with the football. The, uh, and you, you, you talked about Keenan Allen and his development, mm-hmm. a young, uh, young player that was kind of devalued coming out of the draft. People weren't quite sure how he was going to fit in. And, and talk about the development of a young receiver like that, you know, with a veteran quarterback now having to mold that a little bit. Talk about the development of Keenan Allen. Well, from the very first play, he stepped in in Philadelphia last year when Malcolm went down. You know, he made the big catch that game, and it was like every day he was just getting better. And as you know, the more, the, more time a quarterback – and the receivers spend together, the better they're going to be in game day. And, you know, he's working extremely hard, so the success in the game he had the other day doesn't surprise us one bit at all. He had a great game. Uh, we'd be remiss if we didn't bring up the defensive side. John Pagano, your yeah. defensive coordinator, your defense, one of the top scoring defenses. And that really is the only one I know anybody really wants to talk about. Not total yards and third that's about. If we can keep down the score, that's a good thing. Yeah. Talk about the job that John Pagano is doing for your defense. Well, he's done an outstanding job. You know, our scheme's in place, and we're using multiple people over there. Uh, some guys have really stepped in from week to week doing a good job. But when you got guys like Eric Weddle, Jared Johnson, Dwight Freeney, Brandon Flowers, the leaders of the defense over there that really uh, do a great job, work extremely hard during the week. And, you know, Coach Pagano and his staff done a great job of putting game plans together. And, you know, there's going to be teams that, you know, as you know in this league, the competition – and the parity in the league is so good that the most important thing is hey, there's going to be a big play, but just don't give up the touchdowns. That's the, you know, be great in the red area, be good in third down, uh, and just be efficient defensively also. I'd be remiss, given your experience in dealing with quarterbacks and the job you've done, you saw a young Blake Bortles get his first start. Give me just mm-hmm. some impressions, all but from afar, of what you think of a Blake Bortles. Well, he did a nice job yesterday in the game. Had a great first half. Really got, you know, got 14 points on the board. Uh, two great drives for him. Was taking what the defense was giving him. Uh, he's got a bright future in this league. An accurate passer, as you saw from the game yesterday. He'll make things happen with his feet. Uh, we, you know, we, we missed a couple sack opportunities from his escapability in the pocket. Was something that we went in the game saying, "Hey, don't let this guy do this because he'll make plays with his feet." But he's got a bright future. He's only going to get better with time. The more he plays, the better he'll be. Well, it's been fun watching your club play, Coach. Congratulations so far. And I know we got a lot left to play, but uh, things are looking good for the Chargers. Thank you very much. Stay in touch. Good talking to you. All right. Okay, Mooch, my Wednesday piece. I know you can't wait for Wednesdays to come and get on NFL.com and check out what I'm writing about. I know you do that. This week, week it was about how you deal with defensing a dominant player. We talked about the presence of a J.J. Watt. What do you do to handle a J.J. Watt? What do you do when you have to face a Calvin Johnson? You had some dominant players. What, 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 give, give me some insights, maybe some situations well, where you had to deal with one or someone had to deal with one of your dominant players and what they do to do it. 
I don't know if you've ever heard of Jerry Rice, have you? <laughs> Only the greatest well, he player. Was, he was, um, it was always interesting to see what, what teams would do against the Jerry Rice. And, and, you know, it didn't matter who was on the other side, whether it was J.J. Uh, Stokes or Terrell Owens, it didn't matter. J.J. Or, or Jerry Rice was the guy that they had to stop because, you know, the quarterback wants to throw him the ball quite a bit. And so he's always – very seldom is he running against free access. There's always two guys over there. Or if it's a zone, you got people buzzing hard over there. So you try to find a way – to get him open and try to move him around and motion and flip him over and put him in the slot, whatever that is. But you know, when you when you when you, somebody has something or somebody that's really dominating, you've got to give it extra meeting time, extra practice time, put the red jersey on him or something, and say, this guy right here, we have to handle some way, somehow. Otherwise, we're going to lose this game. And but you have to account for and get your team ready for what happens if. They hit you with something else. We saw Calvin Johnson held to two receptions last week. So what does that mean? It means Golden Tate has eight receptions up and down the yeah. field. They hit a Jeremy Ross for a touchdown because you have nine guys over on Calvin Johnson, and these guys are wide open. Hey. So there's always so, a yin and yang of this, right? Yeah, yin this because Jerry Rice Day. How about this? So it's Jerry Rice Day. It's his last game. It's like Derek Jeter in Yankee Stadium. So he, Jerry Rice against the Bears is going to have this, like, ceremony after and thank the crowd and cry and all that stuff. So it's Jerry Rice Day. Well, Dick Geron is no fool. He took him away, right? He just, like, put 19 guys over on Jerry Rice. And Terrell Owens had 20 catches that day. He broke the record. That really upset Jerry oh, Rice. Oh, I can he imagine. Pissed, to be quite honest with you. And so, but that's what happens. Somebody else has to step up, and you have to do something else sometimes. Run the ball or throw it to somebody else, like you mentioned, Golden Tate. But that was Jerry Rice Day, and he still reminds me about that. Yeah, for me, it was in the 98 year. I was with Minnesota, and we had that magical group of guys, you know, and Randall Cunningham mm -hmm. throwing to Chris Carter and Randy Moss, and, and I got Robert Smith in the backfield. Just a tremendous group of athletes. Mm -hmm. I just basically tried to stay out of the way. And it was interesting just to watch teams, because we got to the point where we really didn't look at that much film. Because no matter what our game plan was, you look at the film and this is what the team does to you, and we get to game day and they do something totally different. Because they saw the group we had and they figured, well, we can't do what we normally do. So it was good news, bad news. The good news, bad news was, well, we, we really had to kind of guess what they were going to do. The good news was they weren't very good at it because they're doing something they don't normally do. So like we say, there's a, there's a yin and yang to this type of thing. So it was kind of interesting each week to really not know what, what it was. Uh, and it's all about adjustments. You cut down Calvin Johnson. Okay, we're going to go to Golden Tate. You cut down Jerry Rice, we're going to go over here to Terrell Owens. And there's always uh, coaches, we're a little smarter than people give us credit for. Sometimes. <laughs> well, that'll do it for the Coach Show podcast. want to thank Mike McCoy, the head coach of the San Diego Chargers. Make sure you check Mooch and I out every Monday here on the Coach Show podcast. Go to NFL.com slash podcast.